0: Hi, everyone. I'm Ben Norton, and this is Geopolitical Economy Report. I'm joined by the economist Michael Hudson, a friend of the show, a brilliant economist, the author of many books, and also the co-host of the program Geopolitical Economy Hour here with Radhika Desai. I will link to that show in the description below. Today, we're going to be talking about de-dollarization. Michael and Radhika... This is a series on the decline in the U.S. dollar system and the move by countries around the world to seek alternatives to the dominance of the U.S. dollar. And specifically, I wanted to bring on Michael today to respond to articles that were published in The New York Times by the economist Paul Krugman arguing against de-dollarization, arguing in defense of the U.S. dollar system. And we're going to look at two articles that Krugman wrote, one in April and the other in May. And Michael, i want to start with the article that Paul Krugman published in April called International Money Madness Strikes Again. So he has this very dismissive tone in this saying that it's madness. And essentially in this article, he creates a straw man where he says that if you think that the dominance of the U.S. dollar is in decline, that you think that there's going to be hyperinflation in the United States, He refers to these people dismissively as Weimarists, a reference to the Weimar Republic in Germany when there was hyperinflation in the 1920s. So he essentially says that if you don't believe that the U.S. dollar will stay dominant, you believe that it's going to become toilet paper. It's the straw man argument. And he compared also the dollar to the British pound. And he said, this is not a quote from his article, he says, in some There's no reason to be terrified of the consequences if the dollar should lose its special international status. But that said, it's really hard to see that happening in the first place. So his argument is that it's not going to happen. But even if it did happen, it wouldn't be important because look what happened in Britain. The British pound was the international global reserve currency, and yet it no longer is. And Britain still is a significant economy, he argues. So what do you make of Krugman's arguments?
1: It's not a straw man argument. It's deliberate uh, ignorance. Uh, you, You have to really... Be, have a tunnel vision and uh, not understand the most basic economic history to make the misrepresentations that Krugman said. And if I hadn't met him and I didn't know how really stupid he is as a person, I would think he's deliberately uh, lying. But I have met him and he really is that stupid. Uh, let <laughs> me talk uh, in my uh, super imperialism uh, and my uh, book on foreign debt uh in development uh i explained the weimar inflation uh every hyperinflation in history has come from uh, an attempt to pay a debt in a foreign currency when germany was saddled with reparations debts in the 1920s uh these debt it owed dollars and sterling uh and uh french francs the problem is that the uh uh the United States and other countries immediately erected tariff barriers so that Germany could not uh, uh, earn the money to pay the foreign debts. The debts were way beyond Germany's ability to pay uh, because they were very uh, uh, the European governments wanted to punish Germany. So the hyper, uh, Germany made an attempt to uh, uh, th- print uh, Reichsmarks throw it onto the foreign exchange markets in a desperate attempt to buy the dollars to pay the uh, allies, uh, uh, England, France, and other countries, who then would take these dollars and they would pay the inter-allied debts that the United States insisted on uh, for the arms that they had sold Europe before America entered into World War I. Uh, So the hyperinflation uh, collapsed uh, uh, the exchange rate of the german mark and as the uh, re- exchange rate went down that meant that import prices uh, went way up so first of all the exchange rate went down then interest uh, import prices went up and import prices were an umbrella over the general price level and then the reichsbank had to print more domestic uh, uh, currency in order to let the enable the economy to buy and sell uh, food and uh, other uh, basic uh, needs uh, at uh, the higher prices that were uh, all being forced up as a result of trying to pay foreign currency debts. Well, the United States doesn't owe a foreign currency debt. Uh, the America's debts are in dollars and it can always print them. Uh, it doesn't have to throw them on the exchange market uh, to buy uh, rubles or yen or uh, uh, other currencies. So uh, Krugman doesn't understand the difference between paying a domestic debt and paying a foreign debt. Uh, And that's because he doesn't understand foreign trade. If he understood foreign trade and uh, debt, he never could have won a Nobel Prize. A precondition for winning the Nobel Prize is not to understand uh, uh, how uh, international finance works, so that you can act to uh, uh, preserve the kind of uh, financial superstition that's taught uh, in uh, the universities like uh, the University of Chicago. And uh, under the monetarist views that are taught Uh, In in Chicago and uh, parroted in uh, the New York Times and uh, the Wall Street Journal and the other major media, uh, the governments print too much money, usually to pay workers or to pay social security or uh, social uh, purposes and that increases wages uh, and that uh, results in inflation and uh, that uh, forces up, uh, uh, makes the uh, currency decline as inflation makes exports less competitive this gets the whole system in reverse. The problem doesn't begin with the government just creating money uh, to spend domestically. It starts with foreign debt and trying to pay debt beyond the ability of a country to earn the foreign exchange, the dollars in which its debt is denominated. And if you don't understand that, uh, the government should take away uh, Krugman's uh, PhD uh, on the grounds that uh, he's, uh, uh, he, he doesn't know what, uh, uh, any, uh, European, uh, historian, uh, uh, would ner- learn or anybody who's, uh, uh, read, uh, what I've described in superimperialism. I've written books about, uh, uh, this very phenomenon. Uh, uh, Needless to say, uh, I'm sort of the name that must not be spoken when it comes to talking about uh, international uh, financial crises. So uh, Krugman's misrepresenting the the Weimarist and hyperinflation to begin with, uh, because he he doesn't want the government to spend money domestically on uh, social security, on labor, on uh, social spending he wants it spent on the as he said again and again we need the money to spend in ukraine we need the money to fight russia and china uh he's uh, become a neocon, which is why he's on the editorial page of the New York Times. Uh, and uh, th- you can just look at whatever he says as uh, the product of an ignoramus who's become a neocon and is a useful idiot uh, to uh, the convince people that, well, we've given him uh, the Nobel Prize, to, sort of like uh, the emperor's new clothes, uh, to uh, s- uh, somehow legitimize uh, his... Uh, wrongheadedness when it comes to how uh, inflation works, how economies work, and how the balance of payments work. So then we get into uh, what you said uh, the dollar's uh, demise nobody's talking about the dollar's demise because the united states will use dollars and uh, american companies own uh, affiliates all over the world and of course they do their own business in dollars they don't do it in foreign currency so uh nobody's really talking about that what really is happening isn't simply a currency crisis is not just uh, uh, a problem of uh, not accepting the dollar, it's the fact that uh, America grabbed uh, $300 billion worth of uh, Russian uh, foreign exchange reserves uh, and uh, told uh, its satellite, the Bank of England, to grab Venezuela's uh, gold stock and uh, turn it over to Mr. Guaido, who uh, America said should be the Venezuelan president. the rest of the world, uh, what uh, President Putin calls the global majority, is now realizing we uh, we cannot do our own uh, trade with each other in dollars because if we trade in dollars, the United States can grab our dollars. Uh, obviously, Saudi Arabia and the Arab countries are thinking this. They said we'd better we'd better get out of dollars as quick as possible uh, if uh, America and Israel. Israel attack uh, uh, Syria uh, and Iraq. They're just going to grab all of our money. Uh, let's take, let's uh, move our money into safety. So just as the uh, in, in the United States, the large uh, bank depositors are moving their money out of small banks into uh, the big systemic banks like Chase into safety. Uh, other countries are moving their money. Uh, the governments. Uh, are moving their money uh, out of uh, the dollar into uh, their own currencies, uh, developing currency swaps, uh, and trying to develop a, a BRICS bank uh, to finance their uh, mutual trade and investment because the the world economy is breaking into two halves. Well, that's what uh, Radhika and I have been talking about in our uh, shows uh, with you on the geopolitical economy hour. We're talking about how what appears to be a monetary problem What appears to be a financial problem is actually uh, uh, the the fact that the world is breaking into two uh, different economic systems, finance capitalism in the United States and industrial capitalism evolving into industrial socialism in uh, uh, Eurasia. Uh, And uh, uh, if you don't realize that uh, the context of the balance of payments and trade and how uh central banks are holding their monetary reserves is this context of how are they going to uh develop their economies uh domestically how are they going to develop their economies to keep their economic surplus at home, instead of turning it over to the United States, like the NATO countries of Europe do, uh, then uh, you're you're really somehow uh, imposing a tunnel vision uh, on yourself and not seeing the political context of the
0: economic picture. Well said. And another point that Krugman made in this article in April, in defense of US dollar hegemony, is that Charles Kinderberger, the famous economic historian of MIT, um, and in fact, Krugman studied with Charles Kinderberger, had argued that there are three main advantages for the US dollar. And I should point out, by the way, that, you know, Kindleberger, who worked at the US Treasury, was the founder of the academic discipline known as hegemonic stability theory. So he basically is the kind of court economist or court historian defending US economic hegemony around the world. But he argued, um, Kindleberger, who taught Krugman, and Krugman is echoing him, they argue that the U.S. dollar has three advantages. One, incumbency, simply the fact that so many people are already using it. Two, U.S. financial markets are open, and Krugman contrasted that to China, which has regulates its capital markets. And then finally, what Krugman referred to as the so-called rule of law, And this is such crude propaganda. Krugman wrote, I mean, it's just laughable, but Krugman wrote, quote, unless you're a dictator planning to commit major war crimes, you need not fear that the U.S. government will impound your assets. So what do you make of Krugman's argument, citing Kindleberger, that those three main points, incumbency, open financial markets, and rule of law are what undergird the hegemony of the U.S. dollar?
1: Well, I've met uh, over the years a number of classmates of Kindleberger of uh, uh, Krugman uh, in Kindleberger's class, and uh, one of them uh, had a converse, told me that he had a conversation with Krugman, uh, and uh, Krugman said uh, the one thing we're told is don't discuss money, uh, don't discuss the character of money, uh, and so uh, uh, he, uh, he never did. Don't question things that will somehow. Uh, rattle uh, the status quo narrative. Uh, and uh, he's learned that. Uh, it's true that uh, there's inertia for using the dollar. That was America's uh, great uh, strength, that it, it's really hard to replace one uh, financial system and economic system and political system with another. It takes a huge... Uh, effort to sort of get over the hump of, okay, we're actually going to design a different system. Well, it was very, once uh, the United States threatened to uh, cut Russia and other Eurasian countries off from the SWIFT, the bank clearing settlement system, Uh, uh, Russia and China put money into developing their own alternative systems. Now they've done it. Uh, They've also developed their own credit card system domestically. So they don't have to use uh, the dollarized uh, Visa system or MasterCard uh, system. Uh, they're now developing another system. Uh, Krugman, a new, uh, Krugman has adopted the language of President Biden, who says, uh, the world is dividing between democracy and autocracy. So when uh, Kindleberger or Krugman say, uh, well, uh, 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 China is uh, uh, and Russia are run by uh, autocrats, uh, an autocrat is uh, what used to be called a Democrat, somebody trying to develop uh, their uh, act on behalf of their own economy to raise living standards and to raise uh, productivity and to raise, uh, uh, basically, uh, uh, the economic output. Uh, by democracy, he means what used to be called an autocrat we're having an orwellian terminology here and uh krugman is uh trying to convince people to use this orwellian terminology where countries trying to protect their economy from american financial aggression of cutting off their banking system cutting off their credit card system, seizing their uh, foreign reserves, uh, imposing sanctions against them, that somehow they're autocrats instead of trying to defend their economy uh, against uh, uh, American NATO financial uh, aggression. Uh, The other point he makes is that, well, uh, an open economy. Uh, People can put all their money into uh, uh, dollars, and they can't put them uh, into China and keep safe. Well, of course, uh, that's the case. China has no need for uh, the kleptocrats of the world, uh, the drug dealers, the criminals, uh, the warlords, uh, to, to lend money to China that somehow it's going to do them the favor of protecting. Uh, the United States did that. Uh, I've described uh, in a number of my books how I was working for Chase Manhattan in 1967, and uh, a former State Department uh, person came to me and uh, gave me a document uh, explaining that the United States wanted to become uh, the new uh, uh, offshore banking center, uh, uh, the new flight capital center. Uh, saying that, well, what if America could become the Switzerland? How can uh, he? They asked me to calculate how much the United States could get if it provided safety to the world drug dealers, to the world's criminals, uh, to the world tax avoiders, uh, to the world dictators, and said, if we can can have the United States uh, set up banks uh, offshore in the Caribbean and other countries, then uh, we can have uh, Chase Manhattan and other banks set up offices in these countries to uh, take the deposits and then they will take these deposits and they will send them uh to the head office and uh that is how we're going to finance the vietnam war and foreign military spending uh the and uh that's exactly what the united states did the united states by having an open economy has said we will protect all of the savings of uh the criminals of the world the kleptocrats uh the client dictators uh, that we support uh the money that uh president Zelensky of uh, 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 uh ukraine uh keeps uh and uh that's true america is the protector of dictators not china and uh that indeed uh makes uh the dollar more attractive to dictators because the united states has criminalized the financial system it's criminalized the balance of payments as a means of financing its uh military spending abroad and i quote the documents uh in uh, the various uh, uh books that i've written uh Uh, They were handed to me in an elevator, and I gather they're not uh, really secret, so I I was able to discuss them. And there there was a book by Tom Naylor uh, of Canada uh, called Hot Money, where uh, he uh, uh, describes exactly how it was the United States that sent up the offshore banking centers, making America to be the safe haven for criminals uh, throughout the world. And uh, Paul Krugman says, this is what's saving the dollar. Criminals are us. Uh, If we can uh, attract all the criminal capital to the United States, there's so much crime that we support by supporting our dictators and calling them Democrats that uh, we can stabilize the dollar by criminalizing the entire dollarized economy. That's uh, Paul Krugman's uh, defense of the dollar. Uh, in a nutshell. And of course, he's right when he says that. If America can criminalize the global economy and uh, uh, destroy uh, any attempt by Russia, China, uh, Iran, uh, the Eurasian countries, uh, Pakistan, India, uh, Saudi Arabia uh, to uh, be economically independent, if it can uh, insist that there's only one currency and uh, a unipolar economy, then uh, America will win and it can reduce the entire world economy to feudalism. Uh, that's, uh, that's certainly the uh, neocon ideal. Uh, it's an, uh, the global majority of the world reject this ideal. And uh, uh, But what they're saying, again, is uh, not fit to be uh, seen in the print of the New York Times or other uh, media. So you're not getting the context.
0: Now, I want to also, briefly respond to Krugman's follow up article that he published in the New York Times in May, and it was even more dismissive in tone. The headline is What's Driving Dollar Doom Saying? And here you can see this kind of neoconservative ideology that you mentioned. He blames the increasing discussion of, of de dollarization on what he calls Putin sympathizers who want us to believe that America will be punished for as they see it, weaponizing the dollar, in scare quotes. So very dismissive of the idea, which is an objective fact, that the US government uses its currency as a geopolitical weapon. He also ironically blames de-dollarization on the crypto cult. And I mean, we've been very critical of the crypto Ponzi scheme. The idea that anyone who is critical of US dollar hegemony is a crypto supporter is laughable. And, you know, he blames Elon Musk and The point is, the argument he makes, and it's a very similar article, but he makes two other main points I want to ask you about. The first point he makes is he says, again, U.S. dollar hegemony is not in danger, but even if it were, he says, quote, the importance of controlling the world's reserve currency is greatly overrated. And then he says, why should it matter to the U.S. if a contract between Chinese exporters and Brazilian importers is written in dollars as opposed to yuan or riaz. And he says, how does the fact that the US dollar is the global reserve currency benefit the US economy? He said, considering altogether, dollar dominance is worth more to America than a fraction of 1% of GDP. What is your response to that argument?
1: Well, uh, basically, he's criticizing uh, the Biden administration and the entire American government's policy to say, why are you fighting so hard to uh, preserve uh, the dollar uh, centrality if it's only 0.1%? Why did you uh, uh, bomb Libya and steal all of its uh, gold when uh, uh, President Gaddafi said he wanted to uh, have a gold based currency for the African countries? Why did you go to war with them if it's only 0.1%? percent. Why, why is NATO going to war with Russia over Ukraine and uh, threatening China for using their own currency if it's only 0.1 percent? Why is America spending four uh, percent of its GDP on uh, militarily fighting countries that are uh, seeking to become independent of uh, U.S. Uh, uh, financial domination if it's only 0.1 percent? What is uh, Krugman missing here? Well, uh, it it used to be when uh, uh, people, when the status quo uh, beneficiaries uh, met uh, critics, uh, they'd call them commies. Well, you don't call them commies anymore because there isn't any communism really. You call them uh, Putin sympathizers. Uh, But the fact is, uh, the the CIA itself calls themselves realists. Uh, Are you going to be a realist? Uh, And if you say realist is a uh, Putin sympathizer, then reality is what Putin is saying. Then uh, for reality, read uh, Putin's speeches and especially read the speeches of uh, Foreign Secretary Sergei Lavrov uh, that spells out exactly what uh, the logic is. Uh, This is what uh, uh, the realist school uh, is talking about uh and they call themselves the realist school in the united states uh they're the school that uh, are being sidelined by uh, mr blinken and uh uh, victoria newland and the uh uh, biden's uh foreign foreign uh, uh state department uh and and cia group but uh the fact is that the whole rest of the world seems to have a reason for wanting uh all of their governments To have their own currency. Well, let's look at what difference that makes uh, whether uh, China and uh, Saudi Arabia do their oil trade in yen uh, or uh, dollars. Uh, If you're doing your oil trade and other foreign trade in dollars, then you have to save up dollars to have the money to pay for the oil. You have to have a US bank account you have to hold uh, hold US dollars. And that means you take your domestic currency, your domestic yen or whatever the currency is, and uh, buy dollars. And that supports the dollar's exchange rate. And, and it provides the United States uh, 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 central bank with uh, the foreign exchange coming in so that it can afford to pay for the uh, military uh, balance of payments costs of uh, keeping uh, military bases all around uh, uh, the yen, uh, countries that use the yen or the ruble uh, or other foreign currencies. Uh, so it makes a very big difference. If uh, they uh, do their, if uh, Saudi Arabia does, uh, its uh, p- pays for its oil in ye- uh, Chinese yen, then it's going to have to save in Chinese yen. And uh, it will have to accumulate yen, which indeed it's doing in its foreign uh, uh, reserves. And uh, China will uh, uh, had, uh, uh, hold Saudi Arabian currency in its foreign reserves instead of holding the so there will be a mutual inflow of savings into each other's currency in order to finance their own savings investment. And this inflow uh, will not go into Silicon Valley Bank or Chase Manhattan or other banks uh, to be turned over to the uh Uh, U.S. Treasury as part of its uh, foreign exchange uh, uh, reserves. Uh, That's the difference. And uh, if you uh, leave gunboats out of the picture, if you look at an economy that exists without military spending, without balance of payments deficits imposed by uh, having uh, 800 military bases all over the world, then you're missing the quantitative uh, impact of what actually determines exchange rates and currency values, and ultimately international economic power.
0: Yeah, you mentioned a key point, which is balance of payments. And the other point that Krugman made in this article defending U.S. dollar hegemony is he insisted that the U.S. constant current account deficit, the constant U.S. trade deficit with the rest of the world, is not related to U.S. dollar hegemony. In fact, what he's essentially doing here is he's arguing against the idea of exorbitant privilege. That's a term that was created in the 1960s by France's finance minister. And he argued that the fact that the dollar is the global reserve currency and that only the United States can print dollars gives the US an exorbitant privilege. Well, Krugman says, no, that's not true. Krugman argues that uh, it, that the dollar doesn't help the US maintain large balance of payments deficits. Because if you look at different countries with their current account deficits as a percentage of GDP. Technically Britain, Australia and Canada have larger uh, current account deficits as a percentage of GDP than the United States does. Uh, How do you respond to Krugman's argument there?
1: The trick that Krugman uses and he's being deliberately uh, deceptive here. He talks about the current account deficit. The current account is not the balance of payments. The balance of payments has capital account, and it also has uh, transfer payments. And uh, he, he leaves that out. Uh, the, um, uh, what is reported as a, uh, the current account def- deficit of trade uh, and services uh, vastly uh, uh, exceeds the actual financial flows. For instance, uh, the Americans uh, report uh, the trade deficit of oil, huge trade deficit. Uh, And yet uh, most oil is imported by from U.S. firms. And uh, yes, it pays a lot for the oil, but uh, very little of this payment for oil is paid in foreign currency because uh the firms uh, remit their profits to the united states they uh buy ex- they buy uh the imported capital goods that they need in the united states they pay us management uh in the united states uh i i've written a monograph on uh, uh distinguishing the financial flows of the balance of payments from the gdp approach as if uh, all of these uh, things uh, were monetary. So uh, Krugman deliberately leaves out the fact that America makes an enormous amount of money on capital account. For instance, the uh, uh, the fact that uh, most of the uh, global majority's foreign debts are in dollars, not their own currency. This is why the IMF uh, uh, forces them to depreciate their currency and impose a chronic hyperinflation on Latin American and African in, uh, debtor countries. Uh, it's because uh, if you look at the capital account, uh, and uh, the, uh, including uh, the enormous inflow of uh, the world's criminal capital uh, through the offshore banking centers, uh, then uh, you're, you're going to understand that the balance of payment is uh, something utterly different than the uh, fictitious picture that uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Krugman uh states and you can look very simply you can look at the treasury bulletin and you can look at u.s liabilities uh to foreigners look at u.s liabilities to their own branches in uh the caribbean countries and the other offshore banking centers and you'll see an enormous inflow of foreign currency from these offshore banking centers uh, into uh, the dollar accounts of the uh, uh, the head offices uh, of these banks and uh, uh, the statistics are all right there in the treasury bulletin uh, and uh when Krugman uh, instead of looking at the treasury bulletin looks at the commerce department's uh, trade uh, and current account figures he's distracting uh, attention from uh what really is important currency values are not determined by trade they're determined by capital investment by debt service especially uh and by uh capital flight and uh and and crime uh and if you don't realize that uh, uh, capital flight crime, warfare uh, is uh, the key to the balance of payments, but only uh, 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 goods and services, then uh, you're uh, under the same illusion that uh, Krugman is in in the American economy, that the financial sector is all about uh, uh, banks lending money to factories to pay workers to produce the goods and services uh, that they buy, leaving out uh, the stock market. The bond market, the real estate market, the commercial banking system, the private capital, and everything else that is a blank area uh, to Mr. Krugman.
0: Yeah, I do have to say it is pretty incredible seeing that this is a Nobel Prize winning economist writing in the New York Times, and he conveniently leaves out any mention of the capital account. He does not mention capital account one time in this lengthy article. And yet, anyone who's taken a Macroeconomics 101 class knows that. The inverse of the current account is supposed to be the capital account. No mention of that. No mention of the all of that. those dollars being recycled back into the United States. So while the U.S. maintains this massive trade deficit, those dollars go out in the world, but they're recycled back into buying assets in the United States, which helps keep the whole bubble afloat. Go, go ahead, Michael. That's why he was given the Nobel Prize, because he was able to create a
1: seemingly uh, uh, readable uh, fairy tale uh, about uh, how uh, the economy would work if it didn't have any money, if it didn't have any debt, if there weren't any gunboats, if there were not any crime. If the financial sector did not control the government, but governments were elected to uh, represent the interests of uh, the people in getting better wages and living standards, Uh, if he can uh, somehow provide a readable uh, uh, mythology, like a fairy tale, that seems to make sense, and wouldn't it be nice if this were true, then you get the Nobel Prize. Uh, then you get applauded and you get hired by the newspapers that uh, themselves are representative of uh, the financial oligarchy that runs the country.
0: Very well said. Well, final note to end on here, Michael, is probably the, the most insipid, frankly stupidest point in Krugman's article, which really reflects his main talking point, which is simply that the dollar is powerful because it's powerful. Krugman wrote, to conclude his article, he wrote, The bottom line in most of this analysis is that the dollar is widely used because it's widely used, that all of the various roles the dollar plays create a web of self-reinforcement keeping the dollar preeminent. So, I mean, this is a tautology. The dollar is powerful because it's powerful, and it's going to always be that way. And this is the ideology of people like Paul Krugman and Charles Kinderberger. It's, of course, why they're elevated in the U.S. media. It's why they're given awards and prizes. But it also just shows how vacuous their arguments actually are. And I think maybe deep down, he probably knows that he doesn't have much to argue because if an undergraduate submitted that argument, I mean, a philosophy professor would rip it to shreds, but maybe an economist, you know, a neoclassical neoliberal economist would probably take it seriously. They're they're the only one.
1: (laughs) Well, what does widely used means? Uh, Just ask yourself for a minute, why doesn't Venezuela use dollars? Why uh, does Russia uh, not use dollars and moved away from it, uh, or euros? Why did uh, China say we've got our moving away from the dollar? Why did Saudi Arabia make the arrangements uh, with uh, China and uh, other uh, BRICS countries uh, to trade in their own currencies, not dollars? Uh, If you don't acknowledge the fact that uh, other people have uh, another idea, then uh, you're uh, very biased. Why is it that uh, central banks of Russia, China, and all over the world are buying gold? in the last, uh, especially in the last few months. Why are uh, countries decide we, we're, we're going to sell dollars and are going to buy gold? There must be some logic there. Why doesn't he explain at least what they're the logic? He can, he can say uh, there's uh, uh, that uh, there are counter arguments, uh, but you have to acknowledge the fact that other people must have a reason for what they're doing. So uh, what Krugman is saying that other people have no reason at all For what they're doing and when they move out of the dollar there's no reason for them to do it Uh, and uh, obviously if you read the speeches of uh, what these uh, uh, countries uh, foreign ministers and central bankers say they explain just why they're doing what they're doing. And you don't get a word of that uh, in the New York Times any more than you get a word of what Seymour Hersh wrote about why the United States blew up uh, the Russian Nord Stream gas lines uh, to Germany. There are certain things that you just can't discuss in polite society.
0: Well, that's a great note to end on. I want to thank you, Michael Hudson, a, a brilliant economist, the author of many books, and I will link to his website, michael-hudson.com. And Michael also hosts a regular program here with Radhika Desai, which is Geopolitical Economy Hour. In the description below, I will also link to that series and people can find more of his great analysis. Michael, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Well, it's really good to be here. I love these discussions. Somebody has to talk about them.
0: <laughs> it's always a pleasure. Anytime.